0: Welcome
1: to Living Natural Today, out with toxins, in with your health. Your host is Teresa Jungling. Although not a doctor, Teresa's extensive research enabled her to take control of her health after unexplainable health symptoms began taking a toll on her life. What Teresa has learned and what will be discussed with experts on today's show will undoubtedly help you too. Join us now for an hour that could quite literally change your life. Now, here's Teresa. Hello
2: and welcome to Living Natural Today, out with toxins and with your health, where we come every week to share resources for minimizing toxins in order to live a healthier lifestyle. I'm your host, Teresa Jungling, and I'm excited to be here with you today. I'm someone who is passionate about toxins in our food, environment, personal care products, homes, and more because they've harmed my own health, and I want to inform you so you don't have to go down the same road that I did. Being the end of the year, I wanted to use this episode to encourage and motivate you to reach your goals in the new year. Those goals might be family-related, work-related, personal-related, and I sure hope health-related. I'm excited to have our guest on today to discuss this very topic, setting and reaching our goals. Randy Dean, the totally obsessed time management technology guy, is a professional speaker and expert on time and email management, effective organization, and the related use of technology. For more than 20 years, Randy has been leading programs and presentations for corporate, university, association, and government audiences. Obsessed with time management and productivity, he left a successful career as a graduate program admissions director, professional marketer, and manager to become a leading speaker and trainer. The author of the recent Amazon bestseller, Taming the Email Beast, he has led programs for thousands of satisfied and inspired managers and professionals on being more productive and purposeful with their time and life. His highly informative and entertaining speaking and training programs leave audience members with immediately usable tips, tools, strategies, and skills on how to better manage their time, technology, and information following their program experience. Now, Randy's a friend and colleague of my husband, and they met and became friends back at their days at at Michigan State University. And and, um, I know my husband said that even at that time, Randy was very driven and and motivational um, there So I appreciate you joining me today, Randy. I know you're busy and and traveling all over the place for different speaking engagements. So I I thank you for coming on.
3: Oh, it's great to be here. All right.
2: I'm excited to talk with you. So um, I'm somebody who is goal-driven. I can't maybe say the same for my husband, but I I love to, at the end of the year, recap the previous year and and decide my goals for the next one. And I might not always reach my goals, but I, I give myself some grace and maybe probably too much at times, but I do do that. So today we're going to discuss how to set and and achieve our goals. So let's just jump right in. So, Randy, if you can um, just tell tell the audience a little bit about yourself in addition to to what I just read on your bio.
3: Yeah, well, you know, for the last 10 years, I've basically been in private practice after having a pretty good uh, professional and corporate career. Uh, I spent the last 10 years going out on the road teaching people time and project management strategies, email management strategies how to better use your technology to do those things. And it was sort of um what would you call a vision quest type of experience. I just sort of had this idea that this would be something sort of fun to do, and I thought that I might have the skills and ability to do it. And I, without much of a plan actually, just sort of jumped out and tried to do this thing. And now it's been nearly 11 years since I made that decision. Uh, so that's one of those goals that you sort of set, and it just sort of happens because you decided to take the action to make it happen.
2: Definitely. So, and that, that's the huge point is um, taking the action to make it happen. So, um, can you tell us it, it, when you go to, to set goals? Is there um, do you create an action plan to reach those goals? Is
3: well, there's there two are certain ways stuff that you take? I sort of go about uh, making a goal happen, and I guess that the um, the key thing is how clear is the goal. Because if the goal is very clear, what you're trying to accomplish is very clear, there's a clear start point, there's a clear end point, and there are pretty clear milestones along the way, then you can use more traditional goal setting philosophy, uh, where you basically lay out sort of what you see as the key milestones of the goals, you set due dates for those um sub-projects to get completed within the bigger goal, and you sort of plod right along and try to knock it out. And, you know, that's probably the more traditional way most people take a look at setting and creating a goal. But, you know, when, when I knew I was going to be speaking with you, there's also sort of this other way that you can go about accomplishing a goal, which is to get the end purpose defined, even if you don't really know how to get there, and then just start taking steps, you know one of the one of my favorite quotes is you 're never going to get anywhere if you don 't take the first step and, right. and when it, when the goals aren 't specifically clear, sometimes I think a ready fire aim philosophy might serve you better as a matter of fact, if you try to wait for everything to get too clear you 're going to stifle your ability to take effective action and so you know if you're if you 're not one hundred percent certain how to get there, but you know where you want to get, sometimes I think a different philosophy of Okay, what can I do next? What can I do now? Might be a better method for an unclear, uncertain endpoint that you know you want to try to achieve. And I think a mixture of the two, sometimes the next steps are very clear, sometimes they're not. What can you do now to keep things moving forward?
2: Yeah, that's very important. And I, I know. Um... Todd's sitting over here next to me, and he's pointing at me and, and saying, "This is you," because that that's one of his things. He he's um of that philosophy too, um you know, re- ready, fire, aim, or you know, doing it that way, and just just yeah. making a point of, of getting there and achieving it. So
3: yeah, I was thinking about it today, and it's sort of been my mantra. You know, there was a lot of this that I didn't know exactly how to do it, so I just did it anyway, mm-hmm. and and I think that people, especially with an entrepreneurial mindset. Um, One of my favorite quotes, you know, everybody knows Murphy's Law, whatever can go wrong will. But I Mm -hmm. think entrepreneurs uh, have a different mindset, which is this, whatever can go wrong will until it goes right. (laughs) And so in essence, of course, bad stuff's going to happen, stuff that takes you off your plan, stuff that slows you down, stuff that gets in your way. But I think the entrepreneur, when they think about it, they'll say, yeah, but I can get around this too. Right. And 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 I think that might be all the difference.
2: It definitely is all the difference. So, And they they keep moving forward, pressing forward, definitely. So um, now when you go to set your goals and and, um, create that action plan and things like that, do you sort of categorize them into specific categories like maybe health-related or personal-related or things like that? Yeah.
3: It's actually sort of very timely that you're doing this. Next week, I'm going to sit down and do my annual goal and project review. Uh, Coming into the holiday season, Um, this is my slow time of the year on the road. You know, of course, very few companies are doing uh, company training events or holding conferences because they know almost everybody is now dedicated toward getting stuff at home and getting back with family. And so this is where I take advantage of doing a pretty thorough review and so what I'm going to do is go back and take a look at my 2014 goals list, the goals and the projects I was trying to achieve, and then basically do a zero based budget and start over again for 2015. Take a look at what I did, take a look at what maybe I didn't get done that I was hoping to, and then reformulate my plan to make this year coming up, you know, my next step. And I've already got a few of the ideas in place. And now it's time to put Uh, Pen to paper, as they speak, although I'll be doing all all of this, obviously, using technology tools, uh, (laughs) but put pen to paper to get that goal plan down so that I can clearly see it get ready for this upcoming year.
2: How do you handle those goals that maybe you didn't accomplish in 2014 here? Do you
3: just reformulate them for 2015? possibly, you know, sometimes, though, you know, it's like you lay out at the beginning of the year and think about what you want to accomplish, and it all seems perfect when you start to build the plan, and then life changes. <laughs> and so yeah, I think you've got to look at each one of these and say, is this even relevant anymore? Or has something happened that's changed things so much that maybe that's not even a relevant goal to try to achieve, a relative project to try to accomplish? And I have a feeling that one or two of the things that I was trying to get done in 2014, because of some new developments that occurred that I couldn't anticipate in 2014, may make me completely rethink those and sort of table them, mothball and put them off to the side, so I can create a newer set of goals that I think will be more consistent with the direction I'm trying to take my personal life and my business moving forward.
2: Right, right. So yeah, I I love doing that at the end of the year too, and taking inventory about you know what I have accomplished and what I still need to accomplish in the next year. So, so it's great to, like you said, take that last week or so um, every year to do that. Um, Do you set both short-term and long-term goals or do you recommend that? Uh,
3: Absolutely. You know, now you gotta be careful though, because here's sort of what I think you have to be careful with this. If you make a really good plan with lots of milestones and lots of due dates, and then you start missing some of those milestones. I've, I've found people that that creates basically a disincentive or even at low levels, even almost a level of depression because they feel like they're not keeping up with what their goal or their plan was. And you do have to realize that sometimes life has a way of getting in the way. Sometimes work has a way of getting in the way. Uh, the last couple of years, there was a couple of big projects that I didn't get done as quickly as I hoped to, but the reason I wasn't getting them done is because I was so busy with my business. Things were doing great. And so I had to keep refocusing and saying, you know, don't worry about not getting some of these bigger projects done because part of the reason that you're not getting them done is because you're being successful. That's a right. good problem. <laughs> you know, so you got to be a little careful not to feed up on yourself too much. That being said, the more clear you can make your plan, the more actionable you to make your plan, the more empowering it is to actually get those things done.
2: Right, right. Now, as we talk about um, the short-term and, and long-term goals, and it's great if you're, you're reaching your goals and, and successful or, or some of the goals have changed along the way, but um, I'm going to try to table it around to health-related goals. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe, for instance, you know you can say that you want to lose weight or whatever, but your goals or, or steps along the way should be short term to buy the gym membership and schedule the workout times and, and things like that. Correct. You need to um, yeah, try to like, work. Backwards. And think,
3: you know, I think you hit something important there. What I always try to teach in my classes on time and project management is to make sure that your two key and fundamental planning tools, your calendar and your daily task list, match and reflect your bigger picture project and life goals. And what, I, what I'm teaching in the class is every week, once you build your plan for what you want to do for the year, to review that plan at least once a week, and then part of that review of that plan every single week is to ask yourself on each of your key projects and sub-projects that you've laid out as part of your goals plan, what's the next thing I need to get done? And that next step, this is something I learned from uh, David Allen, who wrote the book Getting Things Done many, many years ago. You want to break down what's the very next thing you need to do. Where does that next step go? Does it go into your task list? Does it go into your calendar? And you get it into the right place so that you will continuously keep forward movement happening on whatever your key projects or goals are. So in essence, that's sort of like an every week nudge to keep these projects moving, which works in conjunction with your bigger picture plans that you're trying to lay out, maybe with more specific project deadlines and timetables. So the combination of the two, a bigger picture plan with more specific milestones and goals, coupled with weekly and daily planning to achieve those goals, I think that combination is a powerful combination for getting a lot of stuff done.
2: Right, and to, like you said, keep you forward, um, going forward, forward movement, so definitely. Um, do you find also, I, I know that this is, um, and you can use technology for it instead of handwriting it out, but I've always been told you might have goals in your head, but once you put them on paper or put them in you know, your computer or whatever, um, you're more apt to, to follow through with them. Is that correct?
3: Oh, absolutely. I, the, the action of putting something down onto some sort of a project or goal sheet, Right there is making a little bit of a commitment. You just made a bit of a commitment with yourself to do something that you feel is important in your work or your life. Taking it another step further of laying out a more specific plan on how to accomplish some of the specific projects within that goals plan makes it even more real. And then the act of putting it into your daily and weekly planning process makes it even more real past that. And then, now that you've got your plans, actually taking the steps is the way to make it absolutely real. And you know, one of the things I will tell people is plans. Uh, what was it? I think it was General Dwight D. Eisenhower famously said, "Plans are useless; planning is essential." So making a plan is out is it's essential because it gives you the effort to or, or the clarity to take effort toward the action. Now, no plan ever works the way you expect it to, but the act of taking action toward a specified goal will always get you closer to your destination than you will be if you never start at all.
2: Okay. Okay, great. Um, Now, as you talk about the, you know, within technology, you can easily do this with tasks and, and adding to your calendar and things, but is that the... Best way to track your goals, or, or are there other ways that you can track your goals as you go along?
3: Well, there's, there's lots of different ways from low-tech to high-tech. You know, uh, one of the things that I used to do was I built this big picture on the wall. Uh, I think, uh, as you said, Todd will remember this. <laughs> I called it my dreamscape. And I would have like four or five different variables, uh, health, um, You know, career, um, travel and adventure, you know, and and what I would do is I'd actually get visual, physical pictures of people accomplishing some of the things that I was envisioning. And that really made it tangible and real, and this was something I made literally out of, you know, poster board and some cut-up magazines and a few markers. And that is about as low-tech as you can get, Mm -hmm. but it made the visual of what it was that I was trying to accomplish very clear. In this day and age, I'm showing people how to use tools like Microsoft Outlook and Google Apps and your smartphones and tablets to, in essence, allow you to get a lot of this planning and procedure built into place. But what's interesting is the same strategies I've been teaching for 25 years that I used to teach on paper, the only difference is now I'm showing how to do these same basic strategies of planning, goal setting, and daily and weekly updates just in a technology environment.
2: Right, right. I think of Pinterest comes to mind too for the women out there who um, oh yeah. <laughs> the virtual <laughs> the virtual um, board that you can put things on. So yeah, and images are great that way, like you said. So are there other um, apps that you recommend that people use? Is there are there any other time management or not time management but goal setting apps out there?
3: Well, I'm using my Evernote extensively right now. Evernote is a great place. Uh, to build notes that, you know, where you can store your goals sheet, you can store your bucket list, you can uh, take individual little projects and break them down into smaller pieces, uh, you know, in a quick and easy format that you can share across your different platforms, you know, computer, laptop, uh, tablet, smartphone. And so I've been using that pretty extensively. One of the things that I really like about it, is that specifically on my smartphone, I can use my voice-to-text manager uh, there, and that gives me the opportunity to create a lot of content in these areas without having to physically write it or type it. I'm using my voice now. And um, that's really allowed me to amp up my productivity, especially in the creative aspect. Um, Sometimes I found that when I was trying to type things or write things physically, that that in and of itself sometimes created a little bit of writer's block and by using my voice, um, it's made it a lot easier. I just sort of talk these things through. I don't worry if I got them in perfect format because I can always come back later and edit.
2: Right. Yeah, that's a good, I- a good idea, too. Um, now, are there some tips that you can give to um, make attainable goals? I, and one of the tips maybe would be even if you can speak to this accountability. So is it, is it good to have um, somebody hold you accountable usually? Or yeah, what should, do you recommend?
3: Sometimes you create your own accountability by making commitments that you have to keep. <laughs> yeah. um, when I say that, you know, I started this business. I get, you know, I'm probably speaking at anywhere from eighty to a hundred different events every year. I got to show up. I right. mean, if I don't, that's the end of my business. So, in essence, I sort of created my own momentum. I got to be there. I've recently picked up a few new streaming program clients where basically they're taking some of my content. Published it in the online education catalogs. And, um, you know, they've got deadlines for me that I've got to meet, just like working with a book publisher. And once we lay out a project plan, I sort of have to meet that requirement uh, in order to stay in good graces with, with those publishers. And so, you know, I think a lot of times if you can make collaborations, if you can make partnerships, if you can get an accountability partner, you um, it it really will help you because uh, if you, if you find yourself lagging in your own motivation, sometimes all you need is the other person that you're, that is relying upon you to to create the necessary momentum to make sure that you get where you need to be.
2: Right. Yep. You can build off of each other that way. Definitely. So yeah, now um, is there, what is the first thing that you recommend someone do when creating their goals? Um, Is it, Basically, just brainstorm everything and, and and then eventually get it into your tasks and your calendar and all that. You know, brainstorming just, like you mentioned, even um, speaking it over, you know, if you have apps to do that or, or your smartphone or however you want to do it that way. Is that the best thing to, to just start brainstorming? Or?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think the brainstorming is... Um... As a key thing, uh, I'm actually a big fan of what I call an open-form brainstorm. Um, I I was trained in the uh, philosophy of using mind maps, which I think was... uh, Jay Buzan was one of the authors of that book, and it was back in the early 90s, if I'm not mistaken. And the whole concept is you take a topic and you get a big sheet of white paper. Now there's there's actually uh, software applications that allow you to build this on a computer, but... You take the topic, put it in the middle of a big sheet of paper, and then what you do is you sort of spider it out with any idea that you have from that main topic in the center. And so you just think about random associations of what is related to the topics that's in the center. And I found that to be a wonderful way to very quickly get all the stuff out of your head related to what it is you're trying to accomplish. It's not linear at all. I've seen a lot of people try to, Say, okay, well, what I want to do is get to here, so I'm going to build an outline. And they try to go from step A to step C, step by step, but the problem is the mind doesn't work that way. And so when you try to do that, a lot of times you get yourself stuck because you're trying to go from A to Z without knowing steps B through Y. (laughs) And so what I say is just throw everything down. Who cares what form it is? Z, X, J, K, whatever. Get them down. Because then you can come back later and look at it after you've got everything out of your head and reassemble it in an order that makes some sense. So, you know, and I've been following the philosophy when it comes to content development, when it comes to project and goal development. I've been using it for years and years, and I think it's a really good way to lay out sort of what it is that you want to get done and quickly get the ideas out of your head, and then go back and organize the ideas in more of a linear format so you can you can start to see a project plan emerge.
2: Right. Now, is there a danger of, of throwing too many ideas out there or unrealistic oh, goals? Or,
3: yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the nice things about it is that uh, one of the steps that I always advise people is, you know, get everything out of your head. Don't Don't stop yourself. Don't limit yourself. Don't worry about what's not realistic at this time. Just get it all out of your head on mm-hmm. step one. Step two, when you come back, is organize and edit. And edit is an important part because you're going to look at it and say, "Uh, maybe I can't really get to that right now. I can do this part of this idea, but I can't get to this part yet. I'm not ready. And so what you do is then take advantage of your um, ability to do some editing to knock this thing down to something that empowers you. And I think here's a simple test. When you get that outline together of what you see as, as your plan, are you motivated or are you overwhelmed? Right. If you're overwhelmed, it's probably too complex. If you're motivated, you're probably right about where you need to be.
2: Okay. Yep. That's great advice. Great advice. Now, um, I just want to finish up here and can you tell us about, um, your book and, and, um, the training consulting that you provide?
3: Yeah, well, um, you know, I wrote a book. um, I've actually written two books now. Uh, The one a few years ago was called Taming the Email Beast, and it actually did pretty well on Amazon, uh, hit number one in several categories. It's also one of my most popular speaking and training programs, and so I go around the United States, Canada, I've even been over to Europe a few times, leading and teaching this program on how to better manage your email overload uh, using tools like Microsoft Outlook and Gmail. That program is just one of several programs I lead. I also lead programs on how to get more out of your Microsoft Outlook, the other functions besides email. I have a program that shows how to utilize the Google Productivity Suite, including Gmail, Google Calendar, Google Contacts, and how to use that as a time and project management center point. Uh, I have a program now about how to... Uh, basically build your smartphones and tablets so that they actually assist in your productivity rather than being a distraction. And just this year, I'm developing a new program, which is all about how to move from being distracted to being productive. And it's going to feature six of the major areas where people get distracted, both in work and life, and how to mitigate some of that distraction so you can go back and find your focus and productivity. So that's something new basically I speak at conferences. I speak at company events. I speak at, um, you know, organizational training programs. And now I've got this new streaming segment of my business where a lot of my programs are being streamed by online education providers for people that want to get it anytime, anywhere they have internet.
2: That's great. And, um, the program that you're you're putting together about distraction sounds, sounds great too, because there's so many distractions in our life and, Um, Yeah,
3: it's it's become it's become almost epidemic and mm -hmm. and I think that, you know, especially in this day and age of smartphones, tablets, text messaging, social media media. a lot of people are actually showing almost addictive behavior Mm -hmm. and they're getting so deeply into some of these things that are not getting them closer to what they're trying to accomplish in their life that it's gone from being entertainment to being an addiction. And it's really getting in the way of a lot of people you know, having the quality of life that they're hoping for. So, like what you talk about on, you know, health and toxins and and food quality. I think we're seeing a lot of this kind, of same kind of parallel stuff happening with technology too.
2: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very interesting. So, how can the audience contact you if they want more information? Um, can you throw uh, out your website and if there's any other ways? Uh,
3: you know, I'm out on LinkedIn, I'm um, out on Google Plus, I'm out on Twitter. You can always find me out there. Um, I do have a website, randalldean.com. It's, it's one of my projects for the holidays. It needs to be uh, cleaned up a little bit. Like I said, I've been so busy the last couple of years, it's gotten a little bit long in the tooth. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, that's a good place to get some information. My LinkedIn profile is an outstanding place to find out a little bit more. And so I think both of those, and of course, if anybody wants to drop me a direct line, uh, they can send me an email at randy at com. great
2: great well i really appreciate you coming in and i know that you're a busy guy with the travel and everything and, and I, I definitely appreciate it so so thank you very much randy and and i think you've motivated all of us to to uh, set and reach our goals in this coming year so thank you very much
3: well thanks to you for letting me come on tonight now i wish both you and todd a wonderful holiday season
2: Thank you. Thank you. You too. And it's time for us to take a short break. And and again, I want to thank Randy for joining me today. I've um, enjoyed speaking with him, but don't go away because coming up, we're going to talk about some current events. You're listening to Living Natural Today, out with toxins, in with your health, on Voice America.
1: If you are someone who wants to minimize your exposure to toxins in and around your home, or are someone who simply wants to live a more natural and healthy lifestyle, then Living Natural Today's 14-Day Program to Better Health is for you. In this 14-Day Program, you'll receive practical steps and recommendations that'll help root out toxins in your food, home, personal care products, and more. With daily email guidance, videos, and detoxification tips, this program is sure to open your eyes and transform your health. Sign up today at livingnaturaltoday.com. Teresa Jungling of Living Natural Today is a fierce advocate for health and wellness. She knows firsthand how one's health can be damaged as a result of toxins, stress, and an unhealthy diet. To learn more about how toxins can impact your health, please visit her website at www.livingnaturaltoday.com. Sign up to receive her free newsletter and, as her gift to you, receive a free guide chock full of useful resources, including links to real food bloggers and recipes, information on organic standards, GMOs, chemicals, recommended safe products, and much more. You are listening to Living Natural Today, Out with Toxins, In with Your Health. To reach Teresa or her guests on the show, please tweet using hashtag LNT Radio. You may also send an email to radio at livingnaturaltoday.com. Now back to this week's program.
2: Welcome back as we continue at Living Natural Today, Out with Toxins, In With Your Health. I'm your host, Teresa Jungling. Now today we've been talking about setting and reaching our goals, but now I want to get into some current events. And as I always mention each show, be sure to follow me on, on Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus, and, and the social media channels as I constantly share articles and resources to try to keep you abreast of what's going on regarding toxins in our health. And you can find all of those links to my social media accounts by going to my website at livingnaturaltoday.com. Now do you know what your children are being taught Recently, um, I read an article about a Missouri mother who was shocked to find some GMO propaganda in her child's science book. Now, the biotech and GMO food industries have long spent big bucks on lobbying to influence public opinion. But it's not just the hearts and minds of our congresspeople that Monsanto and others are after. They also have a long history of going after children as well. So a parent in Monsanto's home state is sounding the alarm about a children's textbook that contains blatantly biased, pro-GMO information. The 6th grade core curriculum textbook in question is called Science, A Closer Look. It includes a section on genetically uh, modified crops that's blatantly pro-GMO with no balance and no counterpoints, including four bullet points touting their alleged and highly disputed benefits. The book includes the following statements about genetically engineered crops. It says they can produce more food, they have more nutrients, they fight disease and in insects, and they need uh, fewer chemical pesticides. Now, according to the student, her teacher even got in on the act. She wrote, No Bugs, More Food, in an answer section below where the kids were asked to list ways genetically engineered crops could be more helpful to humans. So according to the textbook's publisher, McGraw-Hill Education, the book in question is distributed to schools across the country. If you'd like to contact the publishers of the book, uh, contact McGraw-Hill to let them know how you feel about the, the bias pro-GMO information in these, in these textbooks. You can visit their customer support page on their website or call their phone number for pre-K, pre-K through 12th educational materials. Their number is 800-334-7344. Or you can also email them at seg underscore service at mheducation.com. So, as a concerned parent, it's always important to stay on top of the things that your children are being taught in school, and um, this is one thing you want to like make your voice heard if you if you uh, see this in the in the textbooks. Now, a new study released in September this year gives even more evidence that GMOs should have been banned before they were even ever allowed on the market. The study published in the Journal of Organic Systems is full of very detailed evidence of the link between genetically modified ingredients. And diseases such as uh, liver problems, urinary and bladder cancers, hypertension, thyroid disease, stroke, obesity, and more. And it's replete with telling charts and graphs that describe visually the mayhem that GMOs have unleashed on society. Now, much of the study focuses on the introduction of glyphosate and its subsequent ramifications on human health. The herbicide was introduced 40 years ago in 1974, but the research conducted within the study relied on data since the 90s, since that's all that was available. And since the early 1990s, glyphosate has grown astronomically. As the study details, glyphosate disrupts the ability of animals, including humans, to detoxify xenobiotics. This means that exposures to the numerous chemicals in food and the environment, such as endocrine-disrupting chemicals and carcinogens, could be causing levels of damage that would not occur if the body were able to detoxify them. Many of the graphs show a marked increase right around the 1990s, when the makers of glyphosate enjoyed a boost in their profits and an enormous swell of herbicide use from products like Roundup and others containing the same chemicals. There's no mistaking the data. The large increase in glyphosate use in the U.S. is mostly due to the increase of glyphosate-resistant GE crops, and this has led to more disease. The article goes on to say, sure, there are many reasons for chronic disease. Diet, lack of exercise, exposure to other environmental toxins— and even genetic predisposition among them. But when your body can't rid itself of a known carcinogen because it's added straight to the food supply in copious amounts, of course you're going to get sick. Since glyphosate is an endocrine disruptor, this would imply that the current permitted residue levels in food could be causing multiple health problems that have been documented in the scientific literature. The endocrine system is essential to human health since it's being attacked by biotech chemicals on a daily basis The glands in our bodies, like the pituitary, thymus, and and pineal glands, secrete hormones that keep us fit, healthy, and disease-free. Of course, the body will start to respond with disease-like symptoms when the metabolism, reproductive system, and nervous system are constantly trying to right themselves due to glyphosate exposure. So I agree with the comment made at the end of this article. We are the guinea pigs of biotech. There's another article that I read, according to the Environmental Working Group, a new study recently published in the Proceedings of the Royal Society of London shows that organic farmers can achieve yields nearly as large as their counterparts practicing conventional ar- agriculture, and they can still cultivate crops without highly toxic pesticides and synthetic fertilizers that pollute groundwater and stimulate algae blooms that suffocate marine life. The new study, led by researchers at the University of California, Berkeley, concluded that the difference between organic and conventional yields when crops are rotated each season may be as low as 8%, much lower than the previously estimated amount of 25%. Proponents of conventional ag have long cited studies claiming a wide gap between organic and conventional yields to argue that organic can't feed the world. Now, if the UC Berkeley study is right, we can feed the world without destroying the environment. Organic agriculture has been shown to increase biodiversity, improve soil health, and decrease energy use. The UC Berkeley study shows that there's hope for agriculture systems that can feed the world and sustain the planet. Now there's another article that recently came out by food advocate Robin O'Brien. And she wrote an article about how kids are driving the mainstreaming of organics. She says the landscape of childhood has changed. No longer are our children guaranteed a childhood free from diabetes, obesity, or food allergies. And now parents are standing on the front line. The escalating rates of childhood cancers, increasing diagnosis for conditions like um, autism and food allergies, and the rates of obesity and diabetes have earned this generation of children the title of Generation RX. They are the first generation of kids expected to have a shorter lifespan than their parents. According to the Centers for Disease Control, cancer is the leading cause of death by disease in children under the age of 15. They are also reporting a 265% increase in hospitalizations related to food allergic reactions. That's just mind-blowing. U.S.-born children have a 34.5% chance of developing asthma, hay fever, eczema, and food allergies, compared with just 20.3% of foreign-born children. And then get this, in addition, children born outside the U.S. but then moved here were more likely to develop allergies the longer they lived in our country. So she asks the great question, what have our children possibly done to deserve this? And more importantly, what can we do to protect them? She says this changing landscape of childhood is changing the face of American families and our economy. More often than not, the solution is not found in the medicine cabinet, but in the kitchen. And parents are doing everything they can to protect the health of their children. Too many of them now find themselves staring down these conditions. Food allergies affecting 1 in 13 children in the U.S., autism affecting 1 in 68, asthma affecting 1 in 10 children, and cancer is impacting 41% of Americans. Parents are beginning to take notice, and doctors are taking notice too, asking, is there anything I can do differently with what I eat? The President's Cancer Panel says yes. The report? Uh, called reducing environmental cancer risk encourages americans to reduce exposure to certain ingredients now being used in and on our food supply and to eat organic when you can especially if you have children as we introduce new foods that are nutrients nutrient dense you know full of vitamins and minerals and try to reduce our loved ones exposure to the foods that are nutrient void those processed foods out there we're realizing that we have the power to affect remarkable change in the health of our children and families To then learn that other countries have not allowed these new ingredients introduced into our food supply in the last 10 to 20 years because of the lack of evidence of safety can then trigger more than just an adjustment in what you put into your shopping cart. It can change how you view our system. So she says from Kroger to Walmart, companies are recognizing the shift in consumer demand and responding to this food awakening. They are expanding their offerings so that moms in all socioeconomic categories have access to organic food at an affordable price. They recognize that moms are not trying to create problems. They're simply looking for solutions, standing in the grocery store aisles, holding onto the hand of a child with allergies or autism or diabetes, knowing that they represent the future of our our country. And so this is how kids are now driving the mainstreaming of organic. And then finally, I do want to mention another article that um, the Environmental Working Group came out with, and they were recently pleased to announce that Congress was able to come together together to pass the Sunscreen Innovation Act, which President Obama signed into law this month. They say this long-awaited and much-needed step will ensure better access to safer, more effective sunscreens. Several highly effective active ingredients that have long been used in sunscreens sold in Canada and Europe are not available in the United States because the Food and Drug Administration has had a long-standing backlog of new ingredients awaiting review. This new law will alleviate that logjam and should finally give Americans access to products that better protect them from the dangers of sun exposure. The article goes on to say, though, that too few Americans report using sunscreen frequently and too many depend on sunscreen alone to protect them from the damaging ultraviolet rays. The best defenses against getting too much harmful UV radiation are protective clothing, sunglasses, shade, and timing outdoor activities carefully. The Environmental Working Group is continuing to work with lawmakers and sunscreen makers to educate Americans about the importance of sun safety. They hope that with this new law and increased awareness, they can reverse the drastically rising rates of skin cancer. So it's time for us to take a a short commercial break, but don't go away because coming up, I'm going to share with you my Christmas wish. You're listening to Living Natural Today, out with toxins and with your health on Voice America.
1: If you are someone who wants to minimize your exposure to toxins in and around your home, or are someone who simply wants to live a more natural and healthy lifestyle then Living Natural Today's 14-day program to better health is for you. In this 14-day program, you'll receive practical steps and recommendations that'll help root out toxins in your food, home, personal care products, and more. With daily email guidance, videos, and detoxification tips, this program is sure to open your eyes and transform your health. Sign up today at livingnaturaltoday.com. Teresa Jungling of Living Natural Today is a fierce advocate for health and wellness. She knows firsthand how one's health can be damaged as a result of toxins, stress, and an unhealthy diet. To learn more about how toxins can impact your health, please visit her website at www.livingnaturaltoday.com. Sign up to receive her free newsletter and, as her gift to you, receive a free guide chock full of useful resources, including links to real food bloggers and recipes, information on organic standards, GMOs, chemicals, recommended safe products, and much more. You are listening to Living Natural Today, Out with Toxins, In with Your Health. To reach Teresa or her guests on the show, please tweet using hashtag LNT Radio. You may also send an email to radio at livingnaturaltoday.com. Now, back to this week's program.
2: Welcome back as we continue at Living Natural Today, Out with Toxins, In With Your Health. I'm your host, Teresa Jungling. And today we've been talking about setting and and reaching our goals in addition to some current events. And now I want to take this time to share with you my Christmas wish. But before I get to that, I wanted to to give a quick shout out to to a store called H&M. I rarely go to the mall anymore, and actually with multiple chemical sensitivity, it's difficult to go shopping, period. Um, I, you know, running into people with perfume and, and who are wearing certain laundry detergents or fabric softener and dryer sheets can be challenging and not to mention all the chemicals and all the new products that are within stores. Um, you know, if I get bad symptoms, I can come home, I, I wash my hair and change my clothes. Um, but it does make it a little challenging. So, but, but fortunately my MCS symptoms continue to improve. So it has been a little easier to go shopping and, and, um, been able to do that this, this Christmas, um, Even though it's usually difficult, I need to buy organic clothing because of multiple chemical sensitivity. And yes, I don't have many new clothes because of that fact. So anytime I hear that someplace is selling organic clothes like Whole Foods, I I know I can get stuff there too. I I get excited. Um, I don't remember it, but I read somewhere that H&M sold organic clothes. So I headed out to the mall with my husband to go looking for H&M. And I was pleasantly surprised. They had organic clothes and not just women's clothes. They had children's clothing, too, for a great price. So guess what my family members are going to be getting from us this year? And after asking a few sales associates where their organic clothing was, I became known as the organic lady. So since they they knew that I I wanted organic clothing, the manager gave me a flyer about their H&M Conscious for a more sustainable fashion future. And they have a program uh, which, res- which recycles clothing. And when you bring in clothes, they give you a 15% off voucher for new clothes. So what do they do with those clothes? They either provide it as a rewear, marketed worldwide as secondhand goods. They reuse it, converting it into other products, such as clean- cleaning costs. Um, they recycle it as textile fibers, or they um, are used to manufacture products, such as um, damping and insulating materials in the auto industry. And they use it for energy. The textiles are used to produce um, Energy, So it's pretty cool. So both the organic clothing and the recycled program. So I I just wanted to share that with you and um, let you know that there are stores out there um, doing this and hopefully more and more stores will start selling organic clothing. So now on to my Christmas wish. You know, this time of the year, um, Christmas, it snuck up on me. And my husband and I, we've been wrapped up in selling our house during the past few months. And it just seems like everything else has been put on hold as we've as we've dealt with the house. So fortunately, we, we recently closed down our house, and now we turn around and it's already Christmas. So, you know, I typically enjoy this time of year, celebrating Christmas with my family and, and sharing gifts with each other. And, and I like receiving cards from from old friends and, and, and going out and seeing the lights and decorations. And, and I remember loving Christmas as a child, too. You know, it seemed like on cue every December, snow would begin to fall, and, and people would actually be nicer at stores, and, and carols would fill the, the radio station, and, and Christmas decorations and lights and trees would appear. Um, but this year, like I said, I've just been too busy and wrapped up um, in our house to enjoy or even really notice any of those things. But in all reality, um, all of those things during this time of the year, which I know seems to get earlier and earlier every year in the stores. But they pale in comparison to what Christmas really is. And believe me, I'm not knocking Christmas traditions or anything like that because I, I think that they're important. But it's more important to remember the reason why we celebrate Christmas in the first place. Now, my wish for you is that you wouldn't get caught up in all of the Christmas festivities without pausing to remember the real meaning of it. This time of the year can be so busy if we're trying to do all of the traditional Christmas things. In fact, that's why I've dedicated some recent episodes and and blog posts to stress because it can stress us out. Um, But truly, you know, stress is the farthest thing that we should be experiencing during this time of year. I know you're saying, Teresa, that's easier said than done. I have a house full of children who expect a wide variety of homemade Christmas cookies and, and then decorations all throughout the house. I have cards that need to be addressed. I have lots of shopping that needs to get done and then gifts have to be wrapped. You know, I know, I know. But in the midst of it, I hope that you can pause and reflect on the true meaning of Christmas. Saying Jesus is the reason for the season can sound rather cliche, but it is true. He is the only reason for the season, no matter what TV, radio, story ads, or anyone else says. Christmas is a miracle. It's the birth of Christ in human flesh, sent with love so that we could have life. It's my hope and wish that you you would personally know this miracle. And if you don't know, it's my hope and prayer that you would make this the year that you come to personally know the true Christ in Christmas. Right where you are, I ask you to pause a moment and take this time out of your busyness and listen to what Christmas really is, as I I read from the Bible in Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary his betrothed who was with child and while they were there the time came for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and lied him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and an angel of the lord appeared to them But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, as it had been told them. So there you have it. Christmas is the ultimate gift. Jesus being born on earth in human flesh to ultimately die as a sacrifice for our sins and then to rise again. Now, if you, don't, if you uh, haven't personally received this gift, I pray that this will be the year that you accept it. I encourage you to contact me if you want to know more about what the true meaning of Christmas is. Now, I I want to wish from our family to yours, I wish you all a very Merry Christmas. And um, I look forward to to speaking with you again. But we are coming up to the close of our our program. So I I thank you for listening in. And I would like to thank our guest today, Randall Dean. And again, um, Randy's great with time management and goals. And he can be found at RandallDean.com. And I also want to encourage you to, to, and invite you to visit my website at livingnaturaltoday.com and download your free resource guide about minimizing toxins. So next week, I'm excited. Um, we're going to talk more about um, resolutions a little bit. We're going to talk to uh, Dr. Joel Wallach about uh, minerals, as we discussed on a recent program with um, adrenal fatigue that's important. And then we are going to discuss... Um, future plans going forward and and my goals and resolutions and things like that I'd like to share with you. So so I hope you join me again next week. And again, Merry Christmas. and, And until next week, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. See you next week.
1: Thank you for joining Teresa Jungling for this week's edition of Living Natural Today, out with toxins, in with your health. Please tune in again next Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll see you next week.